This is a standoff on the clock. Trey, Trey's about to start it. Oh, there it goes. Trey started it. Welcome, ANC 11. Doing my best not to show up weak for the 9.30. It seems to be there's always energy for the 11, so y'all always get the best. No, that's actually not true. Hey, we have guests this morning. I hate to do this, but my in-laws are here with us. Y'all look, go like this. We have been raising a family together for low these 20 years, and I'm just delighted you guys are here. Jim is the only guy I know who uh, rivals my taste for hippie cowboy jewelry. So I got a new ring. I'm like, hey, look at my, he's like, oh. Anyway, um, Jim and I are both trying to persuade my wife, his daughter, to the virtue of chickens, not goats. So if you can help me with that. She thinks we need these dumb little things that do nothing except hop around and act funny when we eat 36 eggs a week. We need chickens. Don't we need chickens? Come on, guys. We need chickens. Okay, I think we got you convinced. So many of you noticed, probably as you pulled in, there was this oddly uh, positioned horse trough out sort of right in front of the door, prominently featured. It was a bit of an argument as to where we would put that, so we put that in the most visible place, and it was about 40 degrees for the first service, and it'll be about 80 for the second but we do things different. We're actually, this is Baptism Sunday for us. We'll do this a couple times a year, um, and we do it in a horse trough. A couple of reasons. One, because it's cheap, it's mobile, you can put it in storage, and also because you can baptize people in that without getting wet. That's a big deal. I've done this in the ocean. I've done it in ponds. I've done it in pools. We've done it with the garden hose. I've done it in tanks of water hidden on stage, or not so hidden on stage, where large people went in and we couldn't get them out. I've, I've got stories. I'm bleeding people inside baptismal tanks while the band's playing and the bass player's getting shocked because the water's coming out in the... Anyway, before we dumb it down so low, I just want to tell you that uh, it's, a, it's a big day for us. It's a big day for me because my twins are getting baptized today. So... There's so many new faces and so much new going on around here that we figured it was time to do this, so the announcement went out. And I just want to say, I want to walk a very, very surgical balance today as we talk about this sacrament. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Next to communion, there's probably nothing more fought over in the church than baptism. This is the symbol around which we excommunicate one another. You know this, right? This is the symbol around which we gather and we decipher were the words magical or mechanical enough, is it in the name of Jesus? Is it in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Right? As if there's some sort of magical formula to get this right. This of all things, ironically, we divide over. Those spaces where we follow Jesus in obedience and do what he told us to do in observance of the remembrance of how he was in the world, and we fight and divide over these things. We diminish and dismiss and excommunicate one another over views on how this works. And so this is a tedious conversation. It's sad to me because it's a place of grace. It's interesting how when God wants to be understood by earthly men and women like us, he speaks through bread, through water, and through wine. And for many years I thought that must be because he knew we were bright enough to get it. The reality is I think we miss it because we don't understand how profoundly spiritual those material things actually can be. Bread, water, and one. So in the brief moments we have together, I want to talk about why we do this. I want to talk about what for us is a, un- a bit of a unique ecumenical posture towards baptism and the sacraments in general. And I want to give you a fresh angle that maybe will remind you 
of the power of this symbol. So let's start by talking about why we do this. Well, Jesus had a few last words recorded by those who knew him. Matthew 28, it's called the Great Commission, and it reads this way. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Interesting ad. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and here's the orders, right? Little notepads out, taking the order, extra fries, no onion, blue cheese. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't talk a lot about baptism, but he was baptized publicly. He didn't explain an awful lot of the things we fight about. That ought to be our first clue as to whether we ought to be dug in at war with one another. But he was baptized, and he was baptized by his cousin John. And what's confusing to me is that John's baptism, Scripture says, was a baptism of repentance, which is odd because we hold to a faith that says Christ was without sin, and yet he elevated this public symbol for a reason and submitted himself to the waters of baptism. So we baptize, almost all Christian movements do, to my knowledge, except the one that does no sacraments, which would be the Salvation Army. But the question is how? By sprinkling, by dunking, by going in a trough, ocean, tank, pond. How do we baptize? And more specifically, when, as children, as teenagers, as adults, when do we baptize? We're going to dig in and we're going to have some of these questions. Well, for us, the answer to that when and how, dunk, sprinkle, infant, adult, the answer to us is yes, we'll do that. We'll do what you need as a family. Many of you heard me last week, some of you did not, that there are two great rites of passage that we gather to observe in the life of a baby coming into family and hopefully stepping onto their own legs of faith. First one, you can call it baptism, but then they call the second one confirmation as an adult. Or you can call the first one dedication and the second one baptism as an adult. Either way, two great rites of passage around which the community, thereby God, hovers over the welcome of life into the fold. The answer for us is yes, and we will consistently disappoint you if you're spoiling for a fight over the precision and the mechanics of sacramental doctrines. Outside of the ferocious, unconditional love of God and the radical calling on the church to share that love with all people, we're just not going to fight about much here at ANC. Trey was raised Southern Baptist. I was raised Pentecostal uh, in a Roman Catholic world with a deeply Calvinistic Reformed father. Came out of seminary, however, a passionate, liturgically oriented Wesleyan. So you tell me. We go all over the map on this, right? We'll go all over the map. I've been waiting for five years for, let, for them to let me have a crack at the first thing that actually is in my major, right? Sacraments, right? I'm the painter, the carpet guy. We do all these other things, but this to me is important. I've been waiting to help put words around this as we grow as a community. You can always count on us at ANC to pay more attention to the posture than the mechanics of what's happening. I'm not going to try to over-explain to you how it is that God inhabits these things, whether the Eucharist or the waters of baptism. Many of us in this room are recovering Catholics. You'll never hear me disparage one thing of your Catholic upbringing, not one thing. All of it is worthy to build on, all of it. Some of you are self-conscious about having been baptized as children. I'm telling you, you're still here. God apparently claimed you in that baptism, did he not? Many of us are recovering Protestants. Oh, you didn't think there were any bones to spit out about that, did you? We're going to level it. <laughs> many of us are recovering Pentecostals, recovering Baptists, recovering Protestants. We're all trying to find our way into this thing. All of these systems are worthy to build faith and family on. 
So on this issue, the how and the when of baptism, which for us we would say is a non-essential to land in the same place, I think we want to err on the side of charity, meaning we will refuse to divide and shame one another for landing on different pieces of this continuum. All the way from Roman Catholic to Baptist, wherever you land, you're not going to experience shame or disparaging remarks from us. You see, to, Jesus, to us, Jesus is essential. Love is essential. The sacraments and the mechanics of how they work, oh, we celebrate them and we gather around them. But for us, they do not have any internal permission to hate, divide, and tribalize. They just don't. They just don't. The church has generally said one of two things around the sacraments, and you can literally draw a line through church history and Western civilization as an extension of that by these two things. The first thing that the church has always wanted to say, or some have said, they over-explain it. They explain it so much that they put the name in their very institutional titles and they tell you there's nothing happening in the water. They over-explain it. They over-explain it. And then in the East, they would say, there's mystery. Let it alone. Let it hover. It's a mystery. We gather. That's all. Maybe that's an oversimplification of history, but for the most part, it's true. I tend to be the one who admires the mystery involved in the sacraments. Generally, I want to avoid encapsulating or putting divine things in little capsules so that we can say we fully understand them, we can fully explain them. I'm going to generally try to avoid that. I just don't get the sense after reading thousands of pages around the subject, spending years in a degree program, actually figuring out supposedly what this is about, and looking at a couple of millennia of church history, I don't think we've moved the ball, to be honest. The invitation remains, gather at the water, gather at the river, gather at the breaking of bread. There's two things you'll hear about baptism, and most of you can figure out who I'm talking about. Number one, baptism is essential for salvation. The, literally, the waters of baptize, baptism save you. These are the ones who rush to the hospital bed when an infant is born and under cardiac duress, right? There's that view. The other view might be, or is, that baptism is just simply a public confession that we make of our faith in Christ. Well, this might surprise you, but both of those views have hefty, considerable scriptural weight. They both are well-backed, not only by Scripture, but by tradition. For 20 centuries, the universal church around the globe has believed that the Christian doctrine, to be worthy and to be trustworthy and to be understood, has to have two characteristics. Number one, it has to be apostolic, meaning we've got to be able to trace it back to the teachings of the apostles. And number two, it has to be primary, which means it has to have happened or originated around or near the ministry of Jesus. For anything to be reliable, it must be apostolic and it must be primary to which I appeal to the writings of Peter, who was both, perhaps, par excellence. After the great sermon in Acts 2, Pentecostals in the room have PTSD, we're going to Acts 2. For the great, somebody literally told me that after the last service, I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. For those of you who wonder the context of Peter's sermon, literally they gather to wait for the pouring of the Holy Spirit, then Peter preaches this great word, and a bunch of people are saved, and they say, what must we do? And Peter tells them the following in Acts 2, verses 38 and 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Peter certainly seems to associate salvation with the waters of baptism. Later in an epistle, he writes, in 1 Peter 3, he writes, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Now catch the imagery. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, Peter writes. 
Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter writes to the church, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. As Peter, primary eyewitness of the life of Jesus, perhaps very dear friend and rock of the church, is best able to explain to us salvation and the waters of baptism go hand in hand, Peter would say there's no other door to community and there's no other access to God. So Peter, in his evolving view of baptism, certainly seems to marry the two. So loosen up, Protestants. This is a 20 centuries old doctrine. Why am I saying this? Some of us are struggling to hold middle ground on this issue, ironically. He also adds the uh, uh, children. Peter seems to say, be baptized, all of you. There's a point in Scripture where literally the Ethiopian, we don't know what his name was, but we know that he was an accountant for somebody very important, literally is riding along in a chariot with Philip, and Philip says, this is the gospel. He says, why can't I be baptized in this pond? And he was told to go baptize his entire home. Think of the Philippian jailer who baptized his entire house. What am I doing? I'm chipping away at our haughty attitudes towards other parts of the body of Christ who baptize infants. You might say, well, that's silly. That's, that can't possibly be. I'm telling you, it's primary and it's apostolic. There's no single way to look at the rite of baptism. There's no one angle. But most of us look at it differently. We grew up in churches where we would say baptism is what adults do when they make a public confession of faith. It's an outward expression of an inward faith. We actually use that word formulation. So we gather as adults, as believing adults around the waters of baptism to make a profession of faith to the world. We would think it's silly. How could a child possibly, how could an infant possibly make that profession? Well, there's no shame in this view either. It also has hefty biblical support, namely that Jesus himself submitted himself to the waters of baptism. Certainly, he was an adult when he was baptized, and so was the Ethiopian, so was the Philippian jailer, and on and on and on. What I want you to hear me say is this. The different views of baptism, including the how, sprinkle dunk, or the when, baby adult, deserve our patience and our deference. What we have to preserve is something more profound than just the when and the how. I'd like to add something, actually, to our thinking in this regard and maybe remind you of your baptismal waters. Maybe remind you why our very dear friends who are Catholic who still process into their places of faith before they kneel at their aisle, they will often put a finger in the water and make the sign of the cross on their head to be reminded of the time when God claimed them when they made that public pronouncement. Whatever your perspective, let's think about this question. Not the when and the how. Let's talk about the who. Who's doing the action in the sacraments? Who's the agency? Who's the recipient? Who's moving towards whom? Who's claiming whom? What if there's more going on in baptism than just us choosing to follow God? What if it's God literally pulling us through water? to tell the onlooking world, this is my child. This one's set apart for me. What if it's God pulling us through the chaos of the unknown in a public place on 2701 South Lamar in a horse trough with a red hose? I've always wanted to buy a really nice contractor-grade hose. Can't ever afford it. I'm the guy who throws his back out every time I have to water the flowers because I buy the cheap hose that when it's any, you know, it's a degree under 99, it just is stiff and it won't roll. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Trey says, go get a nice hose. This is sacrament. This is A&C, so I went and bought a nice hose. <laughs> you can drive over it, and it's not even going to collapse. You can roll it up in the cold. It's so, I'm just amazed by that hose. 
But what if it's, what if it's God doing the action? What if it's God doing the action in front of the onlooking world to say, this is something that belongs to me? Let's go all the way back. What if it's God pulling Noah and the remnant? The Bible says there were eight of them. What if it's God literally pulling them through the chaos of the unknown and the waters of the flood and saying, these ones are set apart for me? What if God is doing the action? What if it's God pulling the Hebrews just left Egypt through the walled up waters of the Red Sea? What if it's God making the move towards his people, telling the world, these are my children, don't touch these, don't chase these ones. These are my kids. A whole generation later, what if it's God literally pulling the Hebrews across the Jordan River through the same walled up, miraculous wall of water into the promised land? What if it's God actually telling the world, these are mine, these are my people? Maybe ancient history isn't your thing, but you've had a couple of kids. What if it's God pulling new life through the amniotic fluids of birth into a new world? Everything we do comes through water, y'all. That's why the church appealed to this symbol. It's not terribly complicated. Everything new comes the same way. What if God is the agent and we are the recipients? Similarly, I would submit to you this thought. What if it's God pulling you through the waters of baptism into new life? How then can we wall off and tribalize and fight about it? And what does it matter if it happens at this time or at that time? Either way, you have to add obedience to discipleship, whether it starts in diapers or it starts when you're an adult. Either way, it's a whole trajectory of life it takes to understand this master that has called us his. What if it's him picking us? So are the waters salvific? I don't know, you tell me. I don't know, let's appeal to mystery. The imagery of salvation is certainly buried within those waters. Paul would literally say you die to old life and you rise to new life through the water. It's the imagery of being cleansed. But God, maybe God is the agent. My submission to you today, and this works for all of us, whether you've been baptized or not or whether you're considering doing it today, whether your heart is pounding in your chest and you want to jump in the trough today, it doesn't take anything special. Here's what I'm trying to, 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 to communicate to us today. This is God's public announcement. This is God's billboard. Of course it's gonna be simple. It's gonna be water, wine, and bread. Of course it's gonna be simple water. Maybe this is God's announcement to the world. Because why? Because we belong to him. No exceptions. You say, no way, preacher man in rental bowling shoes. It's not that simple. You didn't notice my shoes? Size 10, in case you're Christmas shopping for your pastor. Size 10, they say rental right there, right? I learned, I learned levity and points of intense from Shakespeare. Sorry, Shakespeare got it right. Here's the thing. No, it's not that simple, preacher. It's not that simple. This is all about us making a public declaration, and I would simply remind you, let's go back to the waters of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. What are the only words attributed to God the Father when Jesus was baptized? You tell me, what were they? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is God's announcement about this man. This is heaven's billboard. This is heaven's tweet. This is heaven's sign about what's going on in the water. This is not Jesus announcing to the world, I'm going to be a Christian. That doesn't even make sense. He was a Jew. And he wasn't announcing to the world that he needed to repent. This is God saying, these waters belong to me and this one is mine. Maybe the more compelling angle about baptism than duking it out over Thanksgiving dinner with people who disagree, maybe the more compelling angle angle is to say, thank you, God, for something so simple and so present in every part of our lives as water to remind me that you chose me. 
It's the more interesting angle. It's the only one that gives us enough charity to, to serve the world together with Catholics and Lutherans and Protestants of all types, even those who excommunicate one another. God is the agent in the sacraments. That shouldn't surprise us. That's just Welch's and gluten-free crackers. We've been told to meet there. These are his public announcements. We are the recipients of his love. It's him choosing us. This is his public statement. Choosing all of us. You say, no, you don't know the life I've lived. You know what? I don't. He does. He still wants to announce this. You say, no, you don't know, man. You have no idea the things I've seen, the places I have been. And yet, these waters seem to not discriminate regardless. You tell me. Where are the limits of God's love? So this is me giving you permission today to be open-minded and gracious with people who see this differently. Let's just join there. Let's just never forget. If you need to walk by the trough today and put your finger in the water and remind yourself that you have been chosen by God, then do that, and we're gonna call that sacred. Why? It's all God's water. It's all God's time. It's all God's action. So let's all of us surrender if you're doing this for the first time or if you're going to do it for the second time, let's re-surrender to these sacred waters, to this holy space. Let's rejoice together as we bring into our family these public acceptance of God's public announcement that we are his. Do you see the difference? Will we baptize children? You bet, because it's God who is the agent. Will we baptize senior citizens? You bet, because God is the agent. Will we go to hospital beds? Will we do it in troughs and pools with hoses in the ocean, in a, wherever? You bet we will, because it's not the magic. It's not the mechanism. It's the, it's the fact that God says, meet me here. So if your heart is burning today, it's probably not because you're sitting next to somebody really interesting it's probably God moving on you. If God is calling you today, accept that announcement from heaven. You're invited to join us.